Our guest in the studio is our old pal, uh, Pete Wedderburn, uh, the vet. Pete, good afternoon to you. Good uh, afternoon. How did you get over the Christmas, as they say here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that uh, I always think that phrase, because it sounds like it was some sort of ordeal. <laughs> An illness or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a lovely Christmas, and the last couple of days, we've had some fine times spent sitting in the Harbour Bar and Bray playing board games, and I love doing that. Right, okay. You know, an open fire beside you, maybe a, a, a glass of Guinness beside you. Um, it's just a very chilled out, pleasant time. That sounds very nice. Mm, mm. Rather than all the usual running around with bags and <laughs> getting all sort of wound up and all that. Did, uh, do, do, do you have kids, Pete? You... I have two kids. They're yeah. a little bit older now. So Ella's 17 and Anna's 20. Ah, you're grand then. So, so you, don't have, you, don't have to, you don't, didn't have to watch Frozen then. Um, no, no. Or, or there's sing-along Frozen at the cinemas out now, isn't there? There is, yeah. Sing-along well, Frozen. Even, it, even if it's just the film, it's sing-along Frozen. <laughs> I, I, can, I can vouch for that in my house. Uh, I, mean, I think you have tinnitus in the other ear now, uh, from, <laughs> from the way it was being belted out. Uh, today, though, I mean, uh, in many parts of the country, really, really cold day. It feels like yeah. it's the first really, really cold day yeah. of the year, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it's, it's bitter out there. And I just cycled in from Bray, and so I felt it. Jeez, I say you did. Mm. Are there any? Are there particular pets who you have to be really, really careful about when it's cold like this? Well, I think there's a general rule that the smaller animals are, the more prone they are to getting cold and mm. to suffering from the cold because they have an increased surface area to body weight. That's basically how it works. Mm. Because big animals have got um, you know, relatively small surface area, and so they don't lose so much heat, and so they stay warm more easily. Okay. And small animals, um, especially little things like hamsters. Uh, guinea pigs, little rabbits outside, they can really, really suffer from the cold a lot. Mm. And so owners of those creatures need to be very careful. You do hear about um, small pets being found dead in their hutch just because they got too blooming cold. You oh, know? God. So, so basically, I think small pets, the first thing is you should make sure you feed them plenty because mm. you need... Um, energy to keep yourself warm. So they, they burn up more energy at this time of year. And secondly, you should, if, if possible, insulate their um, their hutch. So, you know, you can simply put that, you know, those thick boards of kind of polystyrene type stuff. Mm. You can slap some of those around a hutch and make it more cosy. And then, better again, you can buy heat pads, um, microwavable heat pads. I think they're called snuggles or something. Yes. <laughs> you, you put them into the microwave and mm. they stay warm for 12 hours. So put one of those in your pet's, pet's hutch overnight and that'll just help give them a bit of extra All right, yeah, warmth. but say your dog and your cat would probably be okay with dogs and with? Yeah, dogs and cats are generally all right. Cats especially have got good thick coats and they and they find you know their own places to stay warm. Dogs, I think small dogs, again, with very fine coats, things like chihuahuas maybe or, or Yorkies that have had a tight trim, they do need a bit of extra insulation when you take them on walks. Otherwise, they just get you can just see that they're cold they're shivering they're miserable mm. so you know for those little creatures those little dogs I think a, a, a warm coat outside is a really good thing to give them yeah yeah. Um, for dogs and cats another thing to be aware of is um, the, 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 the chemicals that we humans use in really cold weather so on the streets and pavements just now um, some of the local authorities are putting down grit and salt mm. and if dogs get that between their feet sometimes it can cause an irritation um, so it's a good oh. idea just to rinse their feet in a basin of warm water when you come home you'll find that'll help them yeah. and as far as cats are concerned the big worry is antifreeze because antifreeze we, you know the stuff you put into your radiator to stop it from freezing mm. well if you spill some of that in the ground you might think 
it's nothing to worry about. But in fact, it's very tasty to cats. They find it palatable. Huh. So they'll actually drink the stuff and it causes uh, fatal kidney failure. So, you know, be very, very aware of that when yeah. you're using antifreeze. It's, it's a highly poisonous to cats. Yeah, and what is an antifreeze that cats find? Tasty. Well, it's 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 the it's the actual chemical um, inside. It's ethylene, whatever it is, yeah. and, it, and it basically causes forms crystals in the kidneys, which stops the kidneys from working. Ah, so, crikey, yeah, dangerous yeah. stuff. I, ethylene glycol. That's I, I, it. I did not know about that. Mm. Interesting story, actually, uh, this week about this this, this judgment um, in Argentina. Where they've said that uh, an orangutan is is a, a, a non-human person. Yes. Uh, um, what do you make of that? Um, I think it's it's a reflection of a general move in society, which is very interesting, and and that is that um, animals are are they're exactly that they're people, but they're just non-human people. If you can mm. same same as the, the as that orangutan's been defined, um, and therefore they have rights rather than well. The, just be deserving of welfare within the, within the the world of people who care about animals. You see, there are two groups of people. There's the animal welfareists, and there's the animal rights people. So, animal welfareists, and I'm one of those. We believe that animals should be looked after well. They should be kept comfortable. They're entitled to to the five freedoms of um, you know, making sure they they basically have decent lives. Mm. But ultimately, they don't have rights. You know that they are ultimately human possessions. And you know, yeah. as long as we're good and we look after them and make sure they don't suffer, then that's fine. Whereas animal rights people believe that animals have rights just like humans have rights. Animal rights people would generally be vegetarian because they would believe it's wrong to take the life of an animal. Yeah. And um, animal rights people would would um, have a belief that maybe in 200 years from now, we'll look back on our times just as we look back on times of human slavery. And they'll they, they would see that in the future we would view our times as using animals as slaves, as being, and in the future we'll look back and say that was outrageously wrong. Mm. And how could we possibly have done that? And, well, maybe they're right, but I don't think so. And I think certainly at the moment the, 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 the percentage of the population that is vegan um, would be very, very small indeed. It's growing. It's growing. And I have a great deal of sympathy for, for that viewpoint because there, there's some of the factory farming out there, especially in countries outside of Ireland, um, some of the factory farming is is really appalling. Yeah. Um, so I can understand why people feel that they 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 need to be vegan to stop animals from suffering at all. Yeah. But um, the ultimate sort of um, I suppose destination of animal rights viewpoint is that animals have just the same rights as humans, and so therefore they cannot possibly be kept in zoos like orangutans and chimpanzees at the moment. And um, and if they're wronged, then they should be entitled to take. The person who's wronged them to court to sue them and you know all that sort of stuff mm. and in the states now there's a bit of a um a boom in courses to become an animal rights lawyer so it's a bit of a growth industry people are training people who have sympathy for that viewpoint the natural um education for them to achieve is that of becoming a a a, a, an animal rights lawyer, just like mm. a human rights li- lawyer, but an animal rights lawyer, and so lots of them have been trained and let loose in the world. And you know, um, there might be one near you soon. Yeah, no, because because you could see how this particular case, because it was an orangutan, and orangutans do share an awful lot mm. of, of DNA with humans and are very intelligent creatures. That's without that's without doubt. Yes, but where do you like? How far down the line do you go uh, before you say, well, actually, below that line? 
they don't really deserve rights because you know they, they, the, the, they but, don't have the required level of intelligence or, or self-awareness or whatever the criteria is. Well, the same things apply to animal welfare. You know, um, you know how important is um, preventing pain in um, in a snail, for example, mm. you know, or a lobster, yeah, or or or, or fish, you know, um, all those things. And you know, there's lots of debates um, amongst people who 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 are, are interested by by analysing those situations, trying to find, if you like, the right answer, because it's very, very difficult to find the right answer on these occasions. If in doubt, you have to prevent pain and you have to, um, you know, regardless of the size of the animal, as far as, uh, as, far as the animal's concerned, I think the other thing is the, 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 I, the, pra- the practicalities of it, because if orangutans are, if you like, um, non-human persons, then, and you can't keep them in, in zoos, then what do you do at all with all the ones that are in zoos? You can't mm. just let them go. Because yeah, I assume that would be a di- you couldn't set one back into the wild because they'd get eaten alive. Pardon yeah. the phrase, but probably literally as well because they, they wouldn't they wouldn't know how to survive in the wild. It would be very very complicated, and it's I think at the moment it's a theoretical um, possibility, mm. um, and I would see it as a very positive thing in the sense that. You know, everything like that means that animals are treated with greater respect and are looked after with with more care. Um, if you look at the conditions that, um, that, that that apes are kept in zoos nowadays, it's so much better than how it was twenty years ago. Yeah, you know, they they, they they're given um, uh, environments which are much less stressful for them, and 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 you know, they're, they're more contented creatures than they used to be. Um, so, you know, I. I, th- I think if you follow the whole thing of non-human persons along to the, to this to its um, theoretical conclusion, I think it's quite worrying for society because there's so be so many changes. You, you couldn't keep pets anymore either. Yeah, you know, uh, there's lots of things that would change, but that's theoretical. So practically speaking, I think it's great, and I, I'd, I'd welcome it. And I think um, you know, good on everybody who thinks um, an- animals' conditions should be improved. I agree with you. Mm. Because there is a quote from yesterday from the uh, uh, the Animal Rights uh, Action Network, who are an Irish uh, um, group, who they said that they they might take a similar case in the new year. Now, the the, the, the counter argument from zoos is that, uh, particularly in, in relation to orangutans, is that orangutans are an endangered species, and therefore zoos are actually have a role to play in in keeping the species around. Is is that a legitimate point of view? Do you think? It, it, it's it's um, yes, it is a legitimate point of view. Um, most zoos, like Dublin Zoo, are part of international breeding and conservation programs that do a lot of work towards benefiting, um, you know, if you like, the the, the species in the wild. Um, critics of zoos, of course, would say that that's just a facade and it's not really making a big difference. So, you know, you, you could have a debate about that whole mm. subject. Um, there's no doubt that people who work in zoos are well-intentioned and doing their best. And it's just you've got these two different viewpoints on the same situation. People who are against zoos just think they should be closed. End of story. They think, think they're self-justifying. They just continue because they're there. Um, so I think mm. my view is that there's a lot of benefits in zoos and when they're done well and that simply we have to stop keeping animals in ways that cause them to suffer directly. Yeah, indeed. We do have to take a commercial break. We'll chat more with Pete after this. 53106 is our text number. That'll cost you 30 cents. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. Pete Wedderburn uh, is still with us. Um, Texter says, we have a pregnant goldfish. What's the best thing to do? Well, not terribly much, really. They get on with it. Um, You know, um, they, they... How do you know if, you're, if your goldfish is pregnant? Well, by the way? that's a good question as well because there are some diseases that cause them to develop a swollen abdomen uh-huh. which can, to the 
uneducated eye might you might confuse with pregnancy um but um you know it's there is a whole art to um breeding goldfish and if they're seriously concerned to get everything right then they really ought to Google that. It's very easy to say that these days. Mm-hmm. You can find out a lot of good information by doing that. You have to be careful because if, if the young ones are born they, they, and you don't shelter them in some way, they can get scoffed by the adults, you know. So yeah. you just have to, you know, if you want to breed properly, then just check it out a bit more. Uh, are ducks okay to be kept outside at the moment? We have some in our back garden to help keep the slugs away. Yeah, ducks, I mean, um, they're most wild type creatures have evolved to be able to cope with our own climate here. It's yeah. relatively relatively temperate. You know, you're not talking like minus 10, minus 15. Mm. Um, and so, you know, these creatures are, it feels cold to us, but they're used to it. And um, if you go up to, if you, if you found a nesting duck, went up to duck in its nest and put your hand underneath it, you'd find it was really warm and snug there. Mm. They've got like, well, they've got... Down duvets on the They have, yeah. yeah. They're wearing very expensive <laughs> coats. Here, um, our beautiful uh, collie uh, stopped, uh, stepped out shortly before Christmas. With the result, we now have five beautiful collie Scotty mixed puppies. They're now thirteen days old, but there's no sign of their opening their eyes yet. Should we be concerned? Says Ashling and Carlo. Well, I think you should be, yes, because normally the eyes open around eight to ten days of age. So, mm. thirteen days is a bit too long. So I would be suggesting you take them up to your vet just to get them examined in case one of the things that can happen is they can get an infection in their eyes that causes pus to develop. So that seals the eye closed Mm. and that can then cause damage inside the eyes. So um, the vet might have to gently open the eyes and, and treat any sort of infection like that. Yeah, yeah col- 13 days is a bit too long. Yeah, Collie yeah. Scotty is an odd mix as well. Yeah, I wonder not what quite, that'll look like, yeah. actually. An intelligent <laughs> bit of hairiness. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've just adopted a, a one-year-old Yorkie Palm Cross. Uh, when and how should I get her neutered? Um, you don't need to worry too much about the how. That's for the vet to worry about. Basically, <laughs> you go, go to the vet, yes, yeah. when she's about six months of age normally. Okay. Um, and good idea to get her spayed. There's still way too many pets, pet dogs in Ireland. There's still massive overproduction. Um, we export tens of thousands of, of unwanted dogs to the UK every year, and we still have to euthanize around 4,000 because we just can't find homes for them in this country. Crikey. So there's just yeah. way too many um, dogs produced, so definitely a good idea to get a spade. Apart from that, there are many health benefits for her. Interestingly, in some countries like Norway and Sweden, it's actually illegal to spay and castrate dogs. Really? It's against the law. They believe it's inhumane. It's a bit like we're talking about non-human mm. persons. They think that, you know, to take away the animal's... Right to reproduce. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, it'll be like castrating humans. Mm. Outrageous. So they think it's wrong to to, 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 to castrate and spay um, dogs. And one of the interesting consequences of that is that they have a massive incidence of, of mammary cancer, breast cancer, in female dogs. We almost, we, we see that very rarely now because so many Irish um, female dogs are spayed. And if you spay them when they're young, it completely prevents um, mammary cancer. That's interesting. Uh, Evelyn says, my parents adopted three former battery hen chickens before Christmas. They were pretty much bald with no feathers, so I knitted them little jumpers to help keep them warm. We have them indoors being fed and under heat lamps with a little time outside. Uh, there are some new feathers coming through. Is there anything more we can be putting in their feed to help the refeathering process? 
It sounds like some more non-human persons. Little <laughs> yeah, chickens with jumpers on. It's, it's adorable. <laughs> no, I think you're doing a jolly good job. The feathers will grow in in due course, and as it gets a bit warmer outside, they'll be able to go back into the farmyard. If they want to, mind you. Mm. They, they may prefer, you know, um, they are non-human persons, and they may prefer to stay inside and join you for your... Regular meals at the, at the dining table. <laughs> well, if they're, if they're battery hen chickens, they probably don't know what it's... They're not used to going outside. They, well, if, it depends how old they are. I mean, you know, if they're very young, like, if they're chickens, that implies they're young. Mm. So, uh, so uh, yes. Okay, um, yeah. And why, sure. why would they have had no, uh, no feathers anyway? Well, it, it, I suppose you'd have to see them to know, to know exactly what stage they're at. Mm. But a, a lot of um, battery... Um, farmed chickens would tend to have been a bit stressed perhaps and would tend to therefore have, have um, you know, um, they, when they get stressed, they, they go a bit bald. And oh, so right, it, could, okay. it could just be that they're at that stage and as they gather themselves and new feathers grow back in and they're in this lovely stress-free environment, then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll then be able to reintroduce to a normal outdoor free-range type lifestyle. Right, okay, so yeah. it is it's, It is really just it's simply the stress of what they've mm. been put through. Mm. God, that's a horrendous thought. Uh, over this time of the year, by the way, there is kind of like, for, for human doctors, uh, there's DDoc and various services. Mm. Is there a similar thing for vets? Well, it's, it varies around the country. Vets are obligated to provide a 24-hour, 365-day-a-year service. Mm. So, you know, as a vet, you can't just open as a vet and, you know, close in the evenings and, and, and weekends. You can't just do that. You have to, but having said that, you don't have to provide the service yourself. So um, in the Dublin area, for example, in the South Dublin area, North Wicklow, um, about 25 clinics got together and set up a cooperative, which is called the Pet Emergency Hospital. And so what we do then is we employ a team of vets and nurses, not just to be on call um, during the holiday and nighttime periods, but actually to be sitting waiting to, for mm. people to arrive. So we, we rent a premises at UCD and is then continually staffed um, with a team who are actually there. So what that means is that if, if an animal needs really genuine intensive care, if I have a dog, let's say, that has a major operation on New Year's Eve, um, rather than having it at the practice and me having to stay there over the whole period or taking it home with me or something like that, mm. I can actually send it to the centre and there'll be vets and nurses sort of holding its paw um, beside, beside its kennel for every moment of, of the holiday period. Mm. So for most people, I mean, that's, that's only available in one particular area. But around the country, a lot of vets have set up um, rotors, so at least they share the on-call with, with neighbouring practices. Yeah. The message for listeners, though, is all you need to do is to phone your regular vet. And vets are obligated to leave um, some sort of way of contacting the emergency service, whether it's themselves or whether it's another vet or whether it's an, a dedicated emergency centre. So you phone the practice, you'll find an answer machine message which will tell you exactly what to do. Ah, right, okay. And what, what people really do need to know is don't delay, don't ignore an emergency because you think the vet won't be available. Vets are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kitten is trained, but when she sees a box of any kind, she pees in it. Why, why, why? Um, well, she doesn't know that it's a box of tissues. Like, as far as she's concerned, it's a box with a texture in it, which is nice to piddle in. Mm. And, and you know, that's really it. Now, what happens as cats get older, as kittens grow into cats and they start to, 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 to mature, they tend to learn that there are preferred places to go, such as litter trays if they're indoor cats, or better again, outdoor, 
outdoor um, soil beds and all that sort of stuff if, if they're um, outdoor animals. So, you know, it's something that young animals are still learning, really. And the best you can do is provide them with a buy the kitten with a, a lovely, perfect litter tray, which it likes going in more than than, than than tissues. Tissues aren't really that nice for cats to piddle in because they can't really rake over them very well compared to a nice litter. No, it's no. as simple as that. Pete, thanks a million for coming into us and happy whatever this time of the year is. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out ourselves uh, what to call it. Uh, Pete Wedderburn there. Over the next hour, we're going to be talking about how Hitler regarded Ataturk as his hero. A very odd story about Chopin's heart. We'll be back in a few minutes.